This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all glad to be here tonight? Glory to God. Um, let's look at our Bibles together. Let's open them, if you would, with me to um, Isaiah chapter 1. If you can find that opening in your Bibles. First chapter of the book of Isaiah. We're going to read through the whole book. It might take us a little while. So sit down and relax. No, we're not going to do that. But. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 1, if you can find that opening in your Bible. How many of you were, were you, how many of you were with us last Sunday. Wasn't that a great service? I tell you what, uh, Jerry and Barb were just such a blessing, and, uh, and they were so blessed, so very blessed. And we'd been playing phone tag. I knew they were coming to the States, and so we'd kind of been back and forth and didn't uh, uh, get connected. And uh, finally, uh, when, when he got stateside, then he called and said they had this one Sunday available because they went back to Columbia the, next, the following day. So it really worked out good, and uh, so good to see them. It's been a number of years that uh, since we had seen them. What? I'm not telling you. Yeah. What's that? Uh, maybe. No, actually, I'll tell you here in a minute. Just hang on, Linda. Just, yeah, yeah. Amen. It's it's all part of this whole thing here. Just just let give me a chance. Glory to God. You know. Amen. I'm trying. Anyway, uh, so it was uh, really, really good. But uh, I remember when we were down there, I made mention of doing that parasailing deal. Dan Barry was the guy I was talking about, and he was scared out of his tree. That's why he wanted the best guy. He said, I want the best guy that's doing this, you know. And, uh, and but they, they didn't, they wanted the best guy uh, to take me because of his experience and stuff, and I weighed the most. and So I smiled all the way running down this hill at him. <laughs> See ya, sucker! <laughs> you know? uh, but it all turned out. And the thing of it is, is we, we, we went running off this cliff, and uh, we probably dropped, I don't know, it might have been, I would say it was at least 1,500 to maybe 2,000 feet. I mean, it was a half mile down to the bottom where our car, where we parked our car. So it was cool. I mean, it's, if you ever get a chance to do it, dude, you have to do it. Thanks for your excitement. All right, good. Who in their right mind would just run off of a cliff in the first place, right? You know, I think maybe he didn't do so well on his landing now that you say that, honey. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's all, oh, that's right. He ran into that retaining wall. <laughs> They had a landing area for us, and I don't know, somehow or another, this guy overshot something. <laughs> Wham! <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> That's good. All right, we better pray. Praise the Lord. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. And Father, as we uh, come with reverence and humility, Father, I just thank you so how our lives have been so dramatically changed, Father, because of your word. We just thank you so very much for it. We thank you for what it's done in all of us, and we're grateful. And so we just thank you again for this privilege we have tonight, Father, to, if nothing else, be reminded, but perhaps to, be, to learn 
something that maybe we didn't know before. So we just thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> notice with me here, familiar verse of Scripture I know to many of you. Isaiah verse 19. It says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I want to kind of key in on the first verse, of course. Uh, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? How many of you like that concept? Now, the point that I wanted to, to, to communicate with you with regard to this verse, before I met the Lord, before I knew Him, and I was 19 when I gave my heart to the Lord, but before, before I met Him, and even for a while after that, um, <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't know this verse of Scripture. I didn't know this truth. And the reality is, is when you read these verses, what, what's happening is, is that you and I are having the privilege to gain a glimpse into the will of God for everyone. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat to the good of the land. So in other words, God's will is that if you and I become willing and obedient to his will, that we will eat the good of the land. Like I said, I know that that concept is favorable with all of us. Now, he said, if you refuse and rebel, then you'll you'll be devoured by the sword. Now, the point I wanted to make is, is that he said, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So God has said that if you and I will choose to be willing with regard to his will and obedient to do his will, that we'll eat the good of the land. I like that. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> by giving, uh, I, we could spend probably a lot of uh, a lot of time trying to define what the good of the land is, but I would just like to kind of do it in a comprehensive way to just simply say that your life would be blessed. Amen? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord in it. He meditates day and night. He shall be like didn't say that he would all, all of a sudden turn, but the process of God's word and the entrance of that word into our lives will cause us to become or be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever that person does will prosper. Hallelujah. I like that. And this all has a, a tie-in to Linda's question about the offering. But, I mean, aren't you thankful for the Word? Because it's the entrance of the Word that gives... I didn't know this. I didn't know this verse. I didn't know about the will of God that if I was willing and obedient, I could eat the good of the land. I mean, it was, it was nowhere to be found on my radar. I didn't know a thing in the world about uh, this beautiful and wonderful concept. But, but the thing is, is that the word is true. It is, we could say it this way, it is the truth. So when we see this, God said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, you, now people will argue and they'll say, well, I know a whole lot of people, you know, and as far as I can see, I mean, they love Jesus, you know, and all this, but they ain't the good of the land. I mean, they got all kind of trouble and they got this and they got woes and they got whatever. Well... 
you know, there's probably an explanation to that. It, it could be as simply as uh, not knowing more of the Word of God with regard to their personal lives. Are you with me? That's why God's Word is so important to us, because it is the standard, the compass. It's the thing, you know, and, and of course, people have to believe it. But its entrance into our lives gives light. It gives the illumination, as Psalm 119, verse 30 says. And Jesus said, the truth will make you what? Free. Now, I know a lot of Christians that are bound by all kinds of bad junk. You know, it could be alcoholism. It can be, uh, I mean, they've made decisions, but they can't get free. They've got drug addiction problems, substance abuse, all kinds of different things that are going on. And I wouldn't characterize that as eating the good of the land, would you? Well, somehow or another, there's an impasse there where those people are concerned. And again, there's answers to those things. But it's the truth of God's Word that changes everything about our lives, and it affords us the opportunity or potential to experience life as God intended it. But you got to pursue it. You know, that's another thing, you know, you say, well, how come they're not? Well, you know, a lot of times people don't put a lot of effort into their lives. I didn't say you didn't. I said a lot of people. They're probably not even here tonight. Obviously, they're not here tonight because we're not talking about you. But there's a lot of folk, unfortunately, that don't want to put a, uh, a lot of effort into things, and so not much happens. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Okay, praise the Lord. Moving right along. And, <clears throat> and the thing about it is, is, you know, you read this verse, you know, that um, if you're willing and you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But you always have to remember that the adversary of our soul will always attempt to distort that truth. Somehow or another, twist it, tell you some, you know, that it doesn't mean what it says, whatever the case might be, but you've got to take God's word for what it is. Are you listening to me? And not allow your, your, uh, the truth to be distorted because, you know, the truth is the devil doesn't want people to know the truth. The devil didn't want me to know that I could be saved. You know, he just said, you're a rank sinner. You don't deserve anything. And all of those things were true. But I didn't know about the fact that Jesus loved me enough to give his life for me just like I was so that I could be saved. Until somebody told me the truth. You know, God has a plan for your life. Nobody had told me. I mean, for 19 years, nobody had ever told me that God had a plan for my life. They told me if I jump through all these hoops and I do this and I get baptized in water and I become a member, I'm good. But they didn't tell me that God had a plan for my life because all of that doesn't change you. But thank God the power of God can. And so, <clears throat> so you have to be careful about the distortion of the truth when it comes. And, and there's so much to this, you know, about the devil's such a liar, you know, and he'll do anything he can to try to keep people from, from experiencing the salvation that Jesus came to give them. If he can do anything to stop them from taking that step, he'll do it. And typically, it happens up here. And so they walk away, or they don't do this, or they don't do... You know, um, <clears throat> uh, talking about distorted truth, one of the things is, how many of you ever heard... You know, the comment I know that you have, you know, it says, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. 
Now, there's a lot of people that have heard that, but it's a distorted truth because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And the thing about it is, is when you think about that, in other words, and this especially, I think, in Pentecostalism, you know, people were led to believe or led the lie that you really couldn't be spiritual if you had anything. Because after all, money is the root of all evil. So you don't want money. Well, the only problem with that is, is that's what makes the world go around. That's how we eat. You, you with me? And so some, some people, you know, they, they, uh, they end up, uh, well, they end up missing out on the best. I mean, there's a lot of Christians, good, godly, wonderful uh, Christians, you know, but, but they are living far below their privileges in Christ Jesus. You know, I'll give you a good example. You know, when Jerry and, and Barb was here, you know, he just appreciated, you know, the spirit of what it is that took place and what was going on. He says, man, I want more of that. I, I want to I be able to, you know, function in that kind of thing. You know, well, thank God he can. And you can. I can. You know, because... Um, uh, you know, the, the door's wide open for whosoever. But again, First Timothy 6 and 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let me make this statement to you, see how it resonates with you, if it settles with you pretty good, but hopefully it does. But did you know that spirituality has absolutely nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have? It's not about material things that we have or don't have that, that identifies spirituality in our lives, okay? And the reason I say that is, is because, again, the implication on the other thing was, is you can't have anything and be spiritual. Well, you can have some things and be spiritual. Aren't you glad? Huh? And so it has nothing to do with, spirituality has to do with who you know, a person becomes spiritual when they come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, do they not? They become new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. They're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, praise God. And all of a sudden now, they're in a completely different place. So uh, a spiritual, spirituality has to do with who you know. Huh? Not only that, but what you know. I become, hopefully more spiritual as I learn what the Bible has to say, right? You know, when Paul was writing, he talked about in Ephesians how that God had given the gifts to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints. See, God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. He wants us to become more spiritual. Not, not spiritual in the sense some people, you know, they're so spiritually minded, they're northly good, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living out the Bible in your, in your life in a, in a greater kind of way and dimension where the love of God is what dominates you, where the peace of God is what possesses you, where the joy and the cheer of God are the things that, you know, you enjoy as a human being. Hallelujah. You know, just to find out that the devil, you know, that's another thing. You know, you talk about uh, people don't even believe in a literal devil. So they don't even know who their war is with. You with me? If you don't know who your enemy is, dude, you're done. You with me? 
And so, <clears throat> but, but again, you know, some of these truths are not being taught or preached or anything like that. But so spirituality has to do with who you know, what you know, who you are. And I say that in the context of your character, all right? God wants us to grow in our character. In other words, once we were dishonest, now we'd never allow dishonesty to exist in our life. Are you with me? You know, once we didn't have any integrity, now we do. Character, the character of the person. Amen. And that's part of uh, what uh, brings that to pass. Um, spirituality has to do with what you practice. Huh? Anybody can come into a chicken house, but that don't make them no chicken. Are you with me? And a lot of folk can come into a church house, but that don't make them no Christian. Are you with me? So it's what you practice. And then I think it's really important when we talk about spirituality is motive. What's your motive? You know, Jesus extensively taught on this at, on the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. You know, and he talked about, you know, your alms giving, giving to the poor. He said, if you're doing it to be seen a man, you get your reward right then. They saw you. Nothing heavenly, you know, is rewarded because the motive was to be seen, you know. And I, I mean, he called the Pharisees and Sadducees out on a pretty regular basis about that, you know, because they love, you know, the praises of men. They wanted to be seen. But, you know, he said, do what you do in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, you know, those types of things. And, um, and uh, that's where the blessing of God. Uh, I think about that in the context, you know, remember when uh, Mary, uh, this was just before Jesus went to the cross. And um, I don't know, I read different accounts, you know, there was, he was invited to a guy by the name of uh, Simon the leper. I think he was a Pharisee, but he was leprous. And he went to his house while they're having dinner, Mary came in, and she busted open this. I don't know if it was a box or if it was a jar or whatever, but it was this very, very expensive uh, spike nard or nard that she took and anointed Jesus with. Well, if you read the accounts, and probably many of you have, uh, some of them say that there were those uh, in the group, which would have included the disciples and and whoever else was there, that, that within them, they disdained the idea that she would waste this spike nard. Now, if you, if you look at it in the book of John, John's gospel, it says that Mary took a pound of ointment of spike nard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, huh, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? I don't know what that number would have been, you know, in, in, in our deal. I think some have said it was a year's wages, whatever. You know, why was this not? And I'll guarantee you there are people in that room going, yeah, yeah, how come? what a waste, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, he said, why wasn't it given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag. 
and bear what was put therein. So he was covetous, basically, you know. And you see that all the time. People say, well, how come, you know? I mean, you could be, you know, what are you, what are you doing spending all that money on that? I mean, you could be feeding the, you know, hungry people in India or whatever the case might be. Well, yeah, you could. But, you know, what we don't think about is within the economy of God, there is no lack. None. So his, his whole kingdom is based upon abundance. But sometimes we're so small-minded in our thinking you know, that we want to, we want to judge what's happening here. Am I in the right house? You know, we want to judge, you know, what's this or that or the other or, or whatever the case might be. So, example. Now, don't answer. Just think back with me. <clears throat> um, well, no, let's start it this way. Let's start this way. The offering was, what do you think it was? I asked Joan. Joan says, what did you say, 16? 16 or 18. It was 21385 bucks. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't, obviously, I don't think that there would ever be a problem with this group, but I would love to ask the question, you know, upon hearing that, how would you respond to that report? Now, I know how you responded. You applauded it. But there would be other people who say, that's too much money. My God. What are they doing giving them people all that money? Well, first of all, they gave it to him. And as far as you're concerned, it's not yours to judge about whatever happened. Are you with me? But that's not the way people think. And that's why, when it, that's why I said at the very beginning, thank God for his word. You know, because we have got to change the way that we think. Are you with me? Now, let me ask you this question. What was your thought or how did you respond to initially the idea that we're going to take up two offerings? Now, again, in this group, you're kind of used to it. It's probably not a big deal. But I will guarantee you there'd be people sitting in the congregation someplace going, my God, two offerings? That's why I always tell people we're taking up two, so if you can only give them one, give them the other one because we want to see them blessed. I don't know that I said that this Sunday, though. But I do because that's my, I'd rather suffer the loss so they could be blessed as our guests. Are you with me? Because I know I can't ever outgive God. Most people don't think like that. You know? But initially, you know, to say, well, we're going to take up two offerings, uh, you know. But the reality is, thank God, you know. I went to a, I went to a conference last week, and they were uh, taking, they were raising $4 million to, to build two porticos on a church, on two different churches, two million bucks apiece. And I guarantee you, people say, my God, what in the world are they doing raising that kind of money for a porch? Well, you know, when you read in the book of Chronicles, they built porches on the temple. Read it for yourself. And, they, and, and Solomon overlaid the entire porch with pure gold. So I think we need to raise our standards a little bit. Are you with me? You know? And who am I to judge? I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to build a porch, don't, don't give them no money. Okay? But if you want to get in on it, you want to sow some seed, because maybe you might need a porch in your life, 
then praise God, you can get involved. So again, you know, it's this, and that's, that's where this whole motive thing kind of comes into play. And that's why I used Judas as an example. Dude, his, he didn't care about the poor. He didn't want the money to be wasted. He wanted her to give it to him so that he could, you know, uh, benefit from it. And, and, and here's another thought about it. I mean, again, I know you don't think this way, but I know there have been people that no longer attend our church because they say all that church thinks about and talks about is money. Okay? Well, that's really not all we ever talk about. Okay? I've shared the story before. It's worth, I, I guess, repeating. We had one of the vendors that, you know, uh, provided service and supply to the church many years ago, and he uh, was a member of a different kind of church. He could see, you know, that the church was growing. He could see that we were building. He, he, you know, there were different things that we were doing, and he just said, he said, Mike, he says, yeah, I just don't understand. How do you, how do you get people to give, you know? And, and it really took me back. I mean, I'm sitting in a pickup with him going to I don't know where, somewhere here on the 10 acres, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, how do I answer that? So I just said, well, does your pastor ever talk about giving? Does he ever talk about money? Well, no. But see, the thing is, is that faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So you can't be ashamed to talk about this subject because the reality is, is if you can get people to begin to participate in kingdom business, God will bless them. He said, if you'll be willing and obedient, you will eat the what? The good of the land. But I can't be afraid to talk to people about it, you know, because I'm really robbing you. Okay? People need to, and, and the thing about it is when it comes to money, there's, you know, there's a balance to all of this when, and, and there's an understanding that we need to have, but it still kind of revolves around us getting our minds renewed to the word of God. The devil doesn't want the church to have anything because then you can't give someone 21K to go to another part of the world and preach the gospel. That's all there is to it. Or you can't give, you know, Patty and James another 10000 so they can get that boat out of dry dock and get it out there where it's making a difference in the lives of people. You know, it's those kinds of things. So again, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. How many of you like that concept? Like I said, I didn't know that. I didn't know it at all. I, I, you know, I'd like to do something sometime about how God taught me about money. You know, from the time I was 19 years of age until I got up through, he taught me some incredible lessons, life-changing lessons. I had to, you know, I was asked of the Lord to give, um, well, I won't share that story right now because if I do, I won't have time to finish some of the things um, that, that I want to finish here. Here's, here's a thought in, t- in talking about money. You have to understand that nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing that you own or possess is your own. You are only a steward. Okay? That's all there is to it. And, and it's important to understand that concept. Uh, let's look at a verse of Scripture together. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. How many are you glad you came tonight? Uh, three of you. Okay, great. Okay, it's going to get better. We'll go home and eat chicken soup and get happy. 
Hallelujah. First Chronicles chapter 29. <clears throat> and I'm going to kind of bounce around here because this is David receiving an offering for the temple, for the church, for the work of God, we could say, or the kingdom of God. And notice with me uh, in verse 3, he says, Moreover, this is David speaking, because I have set, King James says, set my affection. Uh, some of your Bible translations will say devotion, you know, because I am devoted or set my affections to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good, hallelujah, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Hallelujah. In the New King, can you put up the New, or, uh, the new Living Translation, Kathy? And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help with its construction. This is in addition to the building materials that I've already collected for it. Go to the next verse. I am donating. Now get a load of this. I am donating more than 112 what? Tons, Tons of what? Gold. Gold. From Ophrah, or wherever that is, evidently it was a pure gold, 262 tons of refined silver to be used overlaying the walls of the building. Go to the next one. And for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen, now then, who will follow my example in giving offering or giving, uh, and give offerings to the Lord today? Now go to the next verse. Then the families, the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the armies, administrative gave, what was that last word? Willingly. Now, what's the next verse? For the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tons. I don't know what that is math-wise, dude, but it's like billions. Huh? 400 million. million. Of course, a banker would be in the back row crunching the numbers, you know. But, and a 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 300 or 3,750 tons of iron. Now, that's an offering, boys and girls. Huh? So, that's what ended up happening, and, when they, and they got excited about doing it, just like we did on Sunday. You know, people were excited, you know? So, drop down to verse 10. Wherefore, the Bible says, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be you, or thou, uh, Lord God of Israel, our fathers forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Now listen to this in verse 11. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is whose? Yours. Huh? Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, 
And thou art exalted as the head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and you reign over everything. And in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O our God, we thank you. Praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should able or we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort because all things come from you and of your own have we given thee. Now there's some other things that keep getting said with regard to that. But again, nothing that you and I possess is our own. We become stewards of what it is that we have. Now let's go back. Uh, you got time for this. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And notice something that the Lord speaks to the people here in Deuteronomy. And um, verse 11, for the sake of time, i got to hustle here. In verse 11 of the 8th chapter, when the Lord is speaking to them in verse 11, he says, Beware that you forget not the Lord your God in not keeping the commandments and judgments, statutes that I'm commanding you this day, lest, now listen, when thou hast eaten and are full and have built goodly houses. Remember, if you're willing and obedient, you'll do what? You'll eat the good of the land, right? In other words, God will begin to prosper you in your obedience to him. But he's warning them, saying, listen, don't forget where it came from, essentially, he says in verse 12 again, when you have eaten and are full, built goodly houses, dwell therein. And when your herds and your flocks are multiplied, your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have has been multiplied, then your heart, everybody say your heart, be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out uh, of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Drop down to verse 17. And you say in your heart, this is my money. No, that's not what it says. It says, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You could just say, this is my money. Huh? But he says in 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the ability or power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers that he would give them. Hallelujah, as it is this day. And then he goes on and says some other things. He says, you know, if you go the wrong direction, then you'll perish. So <clears throat> the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that right? It goes on then to say that we brought nothing into this world and we're not taking anything with us. Isn't that right? Okay. So having food and raiment, we should be content. But they that will be rich, maybe you ought to put this up. This is 1 Timothy 6 and verse... Uh, probably uh, 9, 1 Timothy 6 and 9. I, wanna, I want you to see this uh, for what it is. But those who would be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and lustful hurts or hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and per, perdition. Now, if you looked at that verse, of, no, 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 back up. If you looked at that verse of Scripture at its face value, it, it would seem to appear to say that, you know, whatever you do, don't try to get rich. Don't be rich, okay? Those who would be rich. But what we don't understand about that verse of Scripture is that, <clears throat> and you've got to look at my, my notes here in my Bible, because it's significant and important 
to understand the context and also, we're talking about having our minds renewed. One translation says, those who will to be rich. In other words, I'm chasing the dollar. Okay? Another translation says, long to be rich or want in a lustful kind of way, crave, the Amplified Bible says. Okay? So that, that becomes a motive issue, right? But if I understand the, the, the promises of God and the covenant that God has made, I don't have to covet it, but I can sure enough enjoy the blessing of it if I handle it, you know, uh, lightly and let it flow through my life so that the blessing of God can be passed. Amen? And not let it get a hold of me. Are you with me? Now, let's look at this verse of Scripture. Look at 3 John, verse 2. Hang with me for a little bit here. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved. How many beloveds we got here tonight? Huh? I wish above what? All things that you would what? Prosper and be in health. That's not what the devil teaches. That's not what the doctrine of the devils teach. They teach not to have anything, right? Keep you poor, keep your nose to the grindstone, you know? And, um, um, and I've said this, you know, before, but um, I didn't know these things. I mean, when, when I started mining this stuff out of the Bible and listened to the preacher tell me, you know, that praise God, God had a plan for my life and it was good, I got excited because I wasn't, eat, I wasn't eating the good of the land. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a good life until I met Jesus. And then everybody would come, well, no, that's not what the Bible means. That's not what it means. No, you, no, uh-uh. So I'd have to go back, you know, and rehearse, well, you're probably right. I mean, after all, you're a spiritual person. You know more than I do. But man, I mean, you know, that's what the Bible says. He wants above all things that we would, he wishes, prays, desires above all things that we prosper and be in health. How can we screw this up? It says, even as your soul prospers. And, and that's the key in a lot of people's lives is the prosperity of your soul. Now, I grew up in an irreligious family. You know, I've said this before. I mean, we weren't church people at all, okay? We really weren't. And I didn't know anything about these Bible truths. I was never taught about the value of money, you know? It t for me, it was, you do this, I'll give you 20 bucks, I'll give you some, a car to drive and put some, you know, give you a tank of gas. I never, never learned the value of money. Are you with me? Now, I talk about Carrie because we're, we grew up together and everything, but he was one of what? Seven or eight? Huh? Eight. Eight kids. And if this guy was going to have anything, he was going to go out there and go to work. And you know, that's exactly what he did. Got a job, you know, working for a farmer, scooping poop, you know, doing whatever it is that he had to do, started making money. So he had much more of an appreciation for money than I did because he was the one that was having to get up and go to work. Are you with me? Now I got up and go to work, but, but again, it, I, I was never taught the value of it. When I, when I burnt through the $20, now $20 doesn't seem like much now, but when I burnt through the $20, I just went back. Give me another one, you know, and, and it was bad. 
Bad, 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 bad. The only model that I had was the family that I came out of. And, and you only... <laughs> I only did what I had to. We only, had, we only did what we had to and, and really embraced the leisurely type of life. And a lot of folk, they do that, okay? Now, by contrast, Joan's family... Her dad farmed 800 acres of which he owned all of it, but he'd worked his tail off to own it. And he fed cattle and he fed hogs. And um, he, uh, he had a hired man, a hired man. Think about that. He's paying somebody else. And, and, and he would, you know, during the plowing season... You know, everybody's trying to plant corn by the 10th of May. All this has changed now. But, you know, you got to get out there and you got to plow. And they would run, they would turn a tractor on and let the thing, I mean, his hired man would run it all day. And then her dad would get on it and run it all night. Never shut the thing off. Who does that? We didn't do that. You know, just no, huh? Yeah. Uh-uh, no. I can remember the first time I walked in her house and I walked into her mother's pantry. And I, th I thought, my God, look at all this. I mean, she had stuff. And not just one can or two, I mean, cans. I was so, I walked down the basement, you know, and it's like, now this is an abundance with no lack. Now, I, wasn't, I didn't use those terms, but I, I was amazed because it wasn't that way at my house. Are you with me? Well, wh what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of that? Well, number one, they thought a whole lot different than we did. Their thinking was different than ours. Huh? And their work ethic was different than ours. You know, she would, he would set his four daughters up on a fence and... He'd say, now, now, girls, what I want you to do is I want you to find the biggest steer that's in this pen. You pick him out, and we'll cut him out, and we'll take him and make one lot out of him for you. And then we're going to take that money, and we're going to put it in a CD so that you can buy a house. Now, you got an eight-year-old girl, you know, that dad's going to help her buy a house. Well, number one, she didn't have a clue, you know, she, I don't know what the animal is worth. Let's just say it's worth 600 bucks or whatever the number is. And so they put it in a CD. Well, when we got married, all them steers, baby, helped us buy a house, which we didn't, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. So if it weren't for that, and so what's that all about? It's, it's thinking about things beyond here. And what's going to happen in the next three to five? You've got to change the way you think. Are you with me? Amen. And people don't do that. You know, they'll gripe, they'll complain, they'll blame. You know, we were really good at that. Anybody that had anything, there had to be something wrong with them. You know, it's, it's so perverted to think in those terms. And again, I say it in the context that God is a God of abundance and he doesn't have any lack. Amen? So it's important for us to understand these things. Now, 
Uh, I got to get down to this part here. Uh, um, I didn't even put this in my notes. Let me tell you about changing the way you think. This, let me make this point. This point is good. Okay, if you want to enjoy God's best, you've got to change the way you think by renewing your mind to what the Bible says. Okay? Because you are going to get put to the test. Okay? I'm, you know, uh, I told you, I won't tell you about the story about Kenneth Copeland. I've told you about that before. But it was nothing more than the Lord dealing with me saying, I want you to do this. And I said, I... I uh, yeah, um, I'm not going to have much left if I do this. You know, and the devil will be whispering in your ear, just saying, dude, dude, you don't want to do this. You don't want to. What are you going to do? 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 You know, all that. So, <clears throat> we're in a meeting last week, and we are giving generously. Okay? And this is not our tithe. This is. Over and above, you know, we give our tithes to this church. And, uh, and so we're in this meeting, and we've been giving generously. And we're on the way home. And the Lord speaks to my heart, and he says, I want you to challenge the people to help you raise $10,000 for the manor fields. I said, hallelujah, yeah, good. He says, and I want you to take the lead <laughs> by giving, in this case, it was $1,000. And, I, and I'm just being honest with you, okay? My brain is going, but Lord, I just got done paying my tithes. I just got done being in these meetings, and I gave a lot of money in the offering, and you want me to do what? I didn't even tell her. I waited till the very last minute. I'm arguing. You never do that. I know that. But I'm arguing with myself and God saying, wow. So finally, I come upstairs Sunday morning. I'm going to jump in the shower, run through the shower. She's already in there getting ready. I said, honey, I think, <laughs> I don't know why I said I think. Man, I know this is God. I got to obey God. I said, I think that God wants us to raise $10,000 for them. You know, I just feel like in my heart God wants us to do this. She says, good, let's do it, you know. And I said, but I didn't tell her, but we're going to have to shell out. Although she knew that, okay? And so, um, so here we go. And, and look at the blessing that would have been missed if I said, well, that can't be God. I mean, after all, I've been given generously all week. And here's the funny thing about it is that I, while I'm talking about it, my brother-in-law stands up and says, I'll give the first thousand. But he had a war going on back there. I haven't talked to him personally about it. But, I mean, the Lord spoke to him and says, give, a, give the first thousand. And he's going, well, yeah, but, mm, uh, uh, you know, Jen and I, we never give money unless we agree, you know, and she's not here, and how am I supposed to, you know, and he's going through this laundry list of reasons why this is not a good idea. Are you with me? I'm glad he stood. Huh? I bet his wife's glad he stood, you know. And so the reason that I, I say that is, you know, I've heard, I've been in meetings before, you know, and people say, you know, I believe that God spoke to you about, you know, giving in this offering. He says, and if you got two numbers, take the, the highest one because the other one's the devil. You know, well, there wasn't any of that going on. But on the other hand, I'm so glad 
that we all obeyed. And $21,385 came to this couple, and it'll bless them. They had already told us at the dinner table that they were going to probably take, they had a benefactor that had scholarshiped a bunch of students in their school, and, and uh, because of, I don't know what, something, the money uh, stopped coming. And so they've got these kids, and they told us some of them were from Venezuela, you know, they're in the school, they're in the country, and now all of a sudden they got no money. And so they told us that they would probably be using some of it to scholarship these, I think there was 12 or 15 students, you know. So um, anyway, he said simply that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And I know you all want to do that. So let's continue to obey God. Amen. Continue to grow. You know, keep renewing your mind to the word, you know, and learn what the Bible has to say and be a doer of it, not just a hearer only. Because I tell you, he wants you to have an abundance. He really does. You know, I mean, you can't give somebody $21,000 if you don't have $21,000 to give them, you know. But the devil has done everything he can to try to keep a chokehold on people so that they can't have enough. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, my teaching along these lines is going to become, you know, pretty important as we move down the road here. Are you with me? Because I tell you what, I don't care if he's got to rain it down out of heaven. He'll do it if you'll believe him. Amen? You know, so... Um, Anyway, cast your bread on the water. And after many days, man, it'll start coming back to you. Let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. 805, I did good. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I had a lot more good things to tell you, but you know, I have to reserve that for later. Father, we love you tonight. So grateful for your blessing in our lives, God. And we thank you that we can be a conduit and an instrument to sow as we've been able to this past week. And we just thank you for your blessing, Father God, and generosity of people and the willingness to obey you. And Father, you said in your word that if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. That's, that's your promise to us. And we believe you tonight, Father. We thank you that your grace is sufficient in all of our lives. Hallelujah. And so I just thank you, Father God, to help us to grow and to learn and to uh, change the way we think according to what it is that you have said. And Father God, I just thank you that as we give ourselves to the word, that our profiting will appear unto all. And so we just thank you for your blessing tonight. Father, guide us in our giving this evening. We again thank you for the privilege of supporting the local church, and we're just grateful for your blessing. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.